0: We have made it back to Monday, continuing to move through the month of February. You're rocking and rolling right now on the hottest show in the streets, the number one form for Bama football news in my own words with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine coming to you from the magic city of Birmingham on the eve of me being 28 years young. That's right, 28 years young, celebrating a birthday on tomorrow, not necessarily sure what all i will do in celebrating the birthday but i'm very much so happy to be rocking and rolling with you guys the passionate fans of crimson top football we got a lot to get to a lot to discuss a lot to unpack ben davis gone we have a lot to talk about on today's show and as always we're bringing you the show from uh, Birmingham, I'm streaming this to you through YouTube. Speaking of the channel, go ahead right now, give a thumbs up, run those likes up, give the, show, give the show a like here, hit that subscribe button, turn all of those notifications on so that way you can have the best in news, notes, information, and coverage on your favorite program, that being the Crimson Tide. Not only do we have you taken care of on YouTube, But we're also streaming the show on Twitter and Facebook as well. So all forms of social media got you covered here where the show is concerned. We're brought to you by WeOwnTheFourthQuarter.com. That is WeOwnTheFourthQuarter.com. If you haven't done so, go ahead and copy that four-finger bling necklace. Four finger bling jewelry showing that support here to Coach Saban, the University of Alabama, and the student athletes in dominating and/or owning the fourth quarter. We own the fourth quarter.com. For all about people in the state of Alabama, I encourage you to be safe driving on the roads. We got some wintry weather going on right now. So definitely be safe out there traveling on the highway. But we got a big time show prepared. For you guys, guys, shout out my man John Ivory one time in that production studio doing his thing as he always got as he always does. Got the daily super chat go seventy five dollar super chats. Appreciating you, the fans, for helping us out, showing us the love here on the show in terms of those donations, but. Before we get into the first topic of conversation on this evening, got to start off with a little bit of somber news right now, and it is you know, Alabama, the Alabama football family, we lost – A tremendous player and a tremendous young man. Lorenzo Big Zoe Washington passed away on Sunday morning. He died in his car. The cause of his death is not known or is unknown right now. According to some of the people I've spoken with, it was carbon monoxide related, but nothing concrete, nothing confirmed as of right now. But Lorenzo Washington passed away on Sunday morning in his car. Uh, he played at Alabama from 2005 to 09. was a tremendous critical part of that 05 signing class. He came in with Chris Rogers, with Brandon Dederick, with a lot of big-time playmakers, and though, you know, Big Zoe, his name probably did not, you know, when you think of that 2009 national championship team for just a moment, the first one of a Nick Saban era Washington played with a whole bunch of gorillas on that team. And I know you think of Rolando McClain and Terrence Cody and Brandon Dederick and Javier Arenas and Mark Barron. Those are the first few names that come to mind. Also Eric Anders. But Big Zoe, Lorenzo Washington was a huge reason behind that team winning a national championship. I mean, in that 2009 season, eight quarterback hurries, picked up some sacks, some tackles for loss he was a big time glue guy and not just a glue guy but a glue guy with production a glue guy with stats a glue guy with numbers a glue guy that everybody got behind so it's you know devastating it hurts because of the young man that he is the player that he was the character that he was and definitely give our strongest condolences right now to the family of Big Zoe, uh, Lorenzo Washington, passing away at the age of 34, died on Sunday morning. But we now get into now, the first topic of conversation here to start the day's show, and it goes to one Ben Davis, uh, Alabama linebacker Ben Davis, has now entered his name into the NCAA transfer portal. This happened today. He announced that he will be putting his name into the portal, Davis, of whom... Um, came to Alabama 2016 as a five star from Gordo High School here in Alabama the top inside nine prospect upon him enrolling onto the campus and and he was a big deal you know when he first came I know Gordo a small school you know his father Wayne Davis was the all-time leader in tackles at the University of Alabama 327 stops and uh, people just felt that When Ben came to Alabama, they felt like, you guys felt like he was going to be larger than life, big-time star, big-time playmaker, marquee guy, marquee talent. When he and Mac Wilson came together, a lot of people felt like this was going to be the reincarnation of Donta Hightower and Courtney Upshaw, so to speak. It never manifested as that, And, and particularly for Ben, he never materialized into being just a big time asset to the program. Now, of course, Bean was able to earn his degree. He got his degree in his five years at Alabama. He was able to win, you know, a couple, he was able to win three SEC championships in 2016, 2018, and 2020. Got a couple of national titles in 2017 and 2020. So he got his degree. He got his hardware in terms of the rings and the championships, but never materialized as a five star to being. A just phenomenal player on the field. And it sucks because, like I mentioned, he came in as the top inside linebacker prospect in this class. Like everybody knew Ben. Coming from Gordo, everybody knew Ben. And everybody had such high expectations that he would come to Alabama and just become a megastar due to, once again, him being a legacy guy. And when you are a legacy guy, when you have a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a big cousin, somebody in your family goes to the University of Alabama and plays football for this program, and they are a big success at the program, and they are loved by the program and by the fans of the program, then they expect you as the offspring to come in Immediate to come in and be able to recapture the essence that the legacy name, uh, you know, brought there uh, initially. And uh, Wayne Davis, 327 career tackles, the all time leader, like he was loved, he was cherished, he was special. Wayne Davis was big time. So people felt like, okay, if Wayne was big time, and this is Wayne's son being. Ben is going to be big time. And I remember his, you know, his uh his ceremony when he signed his national letter of intent. He had the little houndstooth hat on, and people were cheering, people were celebrating, people were dancing in the streets. Like people were like, we got Ben Davis. This is a big freaking deal. Like, this is gonna be the man. He's gonna set the roof on fire. He's gonna take the top off the Maserati. Like, Ben is gonna be the truth. And He comes in, he redshirts his initial freshman year, 2016, and in the next two years, he doesn't see the field. He has a hard time sort of processing things, learning things, seeing field time, getting action. Has a just difficult situation in terms of processing what he's supposed to do, who he's supposed to be, and how he's supposed to be playing in the next – two seasons, 2017 and 18, he only plays in three games and then he's moved to outside linebacker before the 2019 season as Sal Sanceri comes in to be the position coach and 2019, he's finally able to play in games he got in 11 he, he got on the field in 11 games, but only manifested four tackles, including one sack against Mississippi State and people felt like when he got that sack against the Bulldogs, but thought was, well, okay, here's the moment for Ben. Now the light's turned on. He's got the sack. He got on the field. He was able to do some things. Now the light bulb comes on for Ben. And I remember in the offseason prior to the start of a 2020 campaign, so many credible people inside the program were telling me, Ben's got it now. He's locked in now. Mentally, he's focused now. You heard in different press conferences, Pete Golding talked about, you know, being a leader. He's teaching the young guys on Zoom. He's, you know, really putting in the work in the offseason, whether it's in the film room, in the training room, on the field, getting his body right, getting his mental prepared. Like, all signs pointed to Davis being a starter or potentially being a marquee contributor in the t- last season. But, unfortunately— during the last few weeks of fall camp, somehow, some way, in some form, Will Anderson comes through, swoops the starting job at Jack Linebacker away from Ben, and uh, this past year, Ben rarely sees the field. I mean, he's on there, but he takes the field in garbage time. He takes the field where the game is pretty much, you know, already in hand, and it's It's a disappointment. It sucks. It hurts to see how, as a five-star, he never got a chance to materialize. materialize, And that's why, you know, the statement's always been, it doesn't matter if you are a two-star, three-star, four-star, five-star. What Nick Saban wants to see is can you produce, can you dominate, can you be consistent? And that's the one thing that Saban has always has always harped on. Can you be consistent no matter what your star rating is, no matter what your classification is, uh, can you be consistent on the field as a player? And unfortunately uh, for Davis there, just did not have that consistency, you know, all the way through it and just it struggled to be able to get on the field. But, I mean, like I mentioned, he's got his degree. He got some championship rings, so now he has the opportunity to go somewhere else, and maybe in his new home, maybe in his different spot in college football, in a different program, he can manifest and become a, a big-time player at a new, you know, different program, but... The guys that do benefit with Davis exiting to the transfer portal, you look at King Wakuda, you look at Jerez Parks, and you look at Drew Sanders. I mean, all three of these guys with Ben Davis out, they have an opportunity to really get even more playing time, get their feet more so entrenched into the system, the process, the strategy, the scheme of of Alabama football, so this opens the door to a King Wakuda. This opens the door to a Jurass Parks who, you know, uh, cried on National Signing Day in the 20, you know, 18 class because he wanted to be at Bama that bad, and he had to come. In the 20 in the spring of 2019. So, this is big for Dress Parks. This is big for King Wakuda. This is big for Drew Sanders. Which of the three can really pop and be something and take uh, ownership or take command of this spot? I, left behind by Ben Davis. We will see what happens. But Davis just unfortunately could not materialize into being what we wanted him to be, what we thought he could be, but it is what it is there. We'll take our first break here on the show. Don't touch that dial. Just getting started. Upon our return, folks, we get into your phone calls, your thoughts, your tweets, your chats, your conversations that is Bama football. We'll talk to you, the fans, after this.
1: You're watching In My Own Words with Stephen M. Smith, brought to you by We Own the Fourth Quarter. Get your four-finger bling necklace today by visiting weownthefourthquarter.com. Throw them foes up. Every sports fan deserves the proper representation. Whitwill Sports introduces to you the Title Towel. Wave that Title Towel in the air like you just don't care. In support of Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, only nine ninety nine, and it lasts a lifetime. Head on over to whitwillsports.com and get your Title Towel today.
0: As we're back in from the break here, folks, on a Monday, hottest show on the streets here, talking Crimson Tide football, yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Normally, our live stream... Normally, we do the show live to you guys at 6 p.m. Central Time Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But the reason why we're streaming live at 5 today is due to the inclement weather, the wintry mix of rain and sleet going on, you know, outside, trying to get home before the weather gets really, really bad. So, wanting to bring you the show a little bit earlier today, just because of the, the inclement weather there that's going on. But we do appreciate you, the fans, being with us, rocking with us here on the show. But before we get to the phone lines here and take your calls, the call segment brought to you by the Blue Wrench Gang, we got a couple of Super Chats to get to. First off, Randy Harris, baby, dropping in that $5 donation via the Super Chats, appreciating Randy Harris. And then behind him, Spencer Revely putting in that $5 to his own right, Spencer Revely helping us out there. And the pimp of the Blue Wrench Gang family, Mr. Senator Hines, dropping in that $4.99 on his is in. So we appreciate Spencer, Randy Harris, and Senator Hines helping us out here on the show. That daily Super Chat goes. $75 Super Chats. Appreciate the love, the support, the passion of you, the fans, helping us out here at TDA. But we go to the phone lines right now. 205-448- 1358. That is the number to call in and let your voice be heard. 205-448- 1358. We grab a call right now. You're in Live on of the show. What's going
2: on? What's going on, Stephen A. Hey, it's your boy Senator Hines, man. What's good?
0: Doing good, man. Doing well, pimp, man. What's going on with you?
2: Nothing much. Pretty calm and easy today, man. Trying to stay dry. You know this. This weather is something crazy down here in the South, man. You know how it gets down here. Be, it'll Somebody be. Somebody take degrees. Mother
0: Nature off, and I want to know who did it.
2: I don't know, man. I think I think I ain't gonna say his name on the broadcast, but he ain't a president no more um but yeah so <laughs> but we what we're going to do is man um that Ben Davis transfer it doesn't surprise me man i i, I kind of i was expecting it last year um seeing that Will Anderson and uh uh what's the guy that it, Drew Sanders came in behind him and it was already made known that he was going to be moving to outside linebacker um both of those guys came in highly touted and the early buzz that they were getting um you know, I believe was kind of was kind of already eating at him. But then when the decision was made to start Will Anderson opposite of uh of Allen of Christopher Allen, I think that really kind of you know threw him off. He played this year. I, I think he showed up just to get the job done. You know, but I kind of felt it even in the season when he got the sack. You know, um this season when he got I think he got a sack didn't it earlier this season?
0: Oh, he got he got the sack in 2019.
2: Okay, what it was a game he came in when uh when uh, uh Christopher Allen got hurt he had a tackle for loss this past season yeah um, yeah, he, yeah he looked he looked good out there you know but you could tell he wasn't like motivated he wasn't into it it was like he was just kind of there um but uh I, I wish him the best man you know sometimes it just doesn't work out um guys they they follow a, a, a image and don't really go and look. If they can can be developed, or if, if things are to their liking when they pick these schools, some just go for the name. And um, I think early on, freshman sophomore year, he had that issue trying to ride off of a name, um, not want to be fully committed and not fully buying in. Then his junior year, you know, his his red shirt uh, red shirt sophomore year on the field, but his junior year in the classroom, I think he started to kind of click. But by that time. You know, we had so much talent coming in and then you you think about last season, um, you you had two true freshmen that had to step up in front of you to man one of the most important positions on the defense. Um, you should have been the first name up to fill it, whether it was outside linebacker or inside linebacker. You've been in the system for three years, man. Four years really at that point. So um or three years at that point. So it's like it it's like, you know, not a surprise, but I'm I'm glad that he's doing something to at least get somewhere and play. Cause the dude was a beast. You, you could watch the film, even the snap that he got here. Um, definitely a once ta- in uh, a lifetime talent to watch. Um, hate that he couldn't showcase it here at Bama, but I think it's all good. But of course, we you know how we do. We don't we don't reload. We just keep him coming. We just keep him pushing them through. Um, there won't be any downfall. Of course, you know he he really didn't play much last year, but. Um, I think our defense is so experienced coming into this season. Um, it's the perfect year for to have a transition year in a program. Um, for what some may say it is because we're getting a new quarterback and most of our offense is getting replaced. But this is the year to have uh, some someone like this lead um, and it not affect us tremendously. And that's, that's the biggest thing. But definitely shouts out to Ben Davis and, you know, wish him the best of luck. But um, it's next man up and we're we going to keep rolling. We're going to keep rolling.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I, absolutely. I would have loved to have seen Ben materialized here. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But appreciate the call, Senator. Appreciate it.
2: Todd, much love to the TDA fam. And shout out to my Blue Ridge gang in the chat, man. Everybody in the chat, much love. Y'all take it easy, man.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate that call starting out there from Senator on a Monday. We got to get to Roll Tide and Rise Up that $25 in the Super Chat there. Appreciate Roll Tide and Rise Up having us out there on the show. Call segment here, folks, 205-448-1358. That is the number to get in on the show, 205-448-1358. We'll take a call right here. You're live on the show. What's going on? Live on the show, calling. What's going on? Hi. How we doing? Good. What's on your mind? We lost that call, unfortunately. But they but, c- c- got to love the kids for calling in. Appreciate that effort there. But as you guys are continuing to get your calls in on the show, 205 448 1358, we're going go to go with a cool little topic right now. Nick Saban. Nick Saban, was all, he was featured on the Rich Eisen Show last week. And it just seems like everybody from uh, national media pundits to radio hosts to rival fans, they've always got this question on their minds. When is Nick Saban going to go back to the NFL? That's what everybody's talking about. When is Nick Saban going to go back to pro football? And um, I remember... Shortly after the third national championship he got at Alabama, the second of the back-to-back 2012, you had everybody saying, well, most people were saying, Nick has conquered Alabama. He's mastered Alabama. He's mastered the SEC. There's nothing left in the SEC for him to do. He should go to Texas. Go over Texas, Longhorns. Everything's bigger in Texas, more money in Texas, more opportunities in Texas. He should go there. And then people started throwing out, well, the New York Giants. They they, they need a coach. They started throwing out different NFL teams for him uh, to go to. And then as the years progressed, you know, the people were were wondering, you know, what's keeping Nick at Alabama? What makes Tuscaloosa so special? It ain't like a whole bunch of stuff there. Why Nick Saban don't want to go back to the NFL? Why the NFL ain't calling Nick Saban? So Saban goes on the Rich Eisen show last week. And the two talked about a number of different things, whether it was Alabama's offseason program, how the tide is handling recruiting with COVID going on, Devontae Smith and how he stacks up with the rest of the talent in the NFL draft. There was a number of different topics. But toward the end, Eisen asked, he addressed Nick Saban with the question of, do you desire, have you thought about, going back to pro football. And say, and before Rich Isaac could even answer the question, Saban said no twice. And he expounded on that by talking about how it's a challenge in Alabama every year. He's at a point in his career where he's not trying to uproot, go somewhere else, and start over. It's a challenge every year where the Crimson Tide is concerned, especially in, in this upcoming season where you're replacing Five coaches for them on offense. You're repl- you're getting players prepared for the NFL draft. You're trying to rebuild, retool, reload for the upcoming season, and it's like every single time there's been a roadblock or an obstacle put in front of Coach Saban, he's been able to uh, get through it. He's been able to beat it. He's been able to win despite the obstacle. I remember when he first got to Tuscaloosa in in 2007, the idea was, well, Nick, it will take you six years to win your first title. He wins three in six years. I mean, by the time his sixth year is over, he already won three. Then folks said, okay, well, can he recruit at Bama? Saban's bringing in multiple, a host of top-ranked signing classes. Then it became, well, let's throw a monkey wrench in the recruiting process, let's break up the recruiting periods and let's have an early period and a traditional signing period. And when he struggled the first time doing this in 2018, the opposition said, we got him. We got him. He's struggling. He can't recruit. Splitting up the, the, the uh, signing periods is that's hurting him. But then once Saban got the hang of that, he starts dominating that. Then they go, okay, well, let's not let, – let, let's mess with – the coaching staff a little bit and not allow him to have as many coaches on the field. Nick Saban beat that out by taking the best coaches out there and making them offensive and defensive analysts. Then they go, okay, well, let's take coaches away from Alabama. Nick Saban bounces back by taking NFL head coaches and making them Bama assistants. So every single way that the mass is out there, have tried to stack the deck against Coach and He has found a way to beat it. And I, I feel like he loves the challenges. He loves to show each and every year how much ahead of the game he is but above everyone else. But we take a call right now. You're live on the show. What's going on? Steven. What's
3: happening? from Colorado.
0: What's going on with you?
3: tie from Colorado, man. Randy Harris.
0: Randy from Colorado. Hey, Randy, what's up, buddy? What's up, man?
3: Not much, man. I was just wondering, uh, has anything uh, developed with uh, Bryce Young? Is he going to be the starter next year, or is he going to have a big challenge in the new QBs coming in?
0: I feel like – I feel, like Bry- I feel like Bryce is going to have a challenge, not just with the new QB coming in and dragging Milrow, but he's going to have a challenge in trying to fend off Paul Tyson. But also, the challenge is Sarkeesian's gone. And Sarkeesian was the one who recruited Bryce. So now it becomes how does he work? How does he fit with Ben O'Brien? How does Ben O'Brien's system, what O'Brien wants to do, how does that jail with Bryce? Now, he's tremendously talented. He's immensely gifted. He's got a lot of gifts, a lot of traits, a lot of athleticism. And having you know our guy, Lavelle Durant, the elite quarterback developer on the show last week, he talked about it. Bryce is a magic man. But the question is, you know, uh, how does he jail with Ben O'Brien? That's the big question.
3: Yes, that is a big question indeed. I mean, I know Bill likes kind of a pocket passer, and Bryce is more elusive. Do you think if he does use Bryce, he's going to run him?
0: I I think the the one thing that Bill O'Brien has done, Randy, is he's been able to adapt to what his quarterback is because – In 2011, when he was the OC for the Patriots, he had Tom Brady, who was a pocket passer, and he was able to adapt to that. But then when he got to Houston and he picked up Deshaun Watson, somebody of whom is uh, very mobile, very athletic, can uh, make plays off script, can make off-platform throws, we know what he can do with his legs, he was able to adapt to that also. So it just comes down to... How can he mold, mentor, and develop Bryce Young? We appreciate that call there coming from Randy Harris and inquiring about Bryce Young. The young man's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of ability. And and, and I don't understand why people feel like I'm a Bryce Young hater. I've never hated on Bryce Young. I've never said anything derogatory or demeaning toward Bryce. My thing has always been, you know, people have not been complimentary of Paul Tyson, so I try to get people to understand how good Paul is, but I've always said how talented Bryce is, how capable Bryce is, the abilities that he brings to the table. It's just, he's got competition in here. He's got to fend off Paul Tyson. He's got to fend off a Jaden Milrow. He's got to see can he co-inside with what Bill O'Brien is trying to do, but it's an interesting endeavor all the way around, but we take a break right now on the show. I'll put our return. We talk about Jay Billet. Alabama has made its move at the cornerbacks coach to replace Carl Scott, and it is one Jay Billet. We'll talk about the new man right after this. All right, folks, we back popping the clutch here on the number one forum for Bama Football News. In my own words, George truly Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And before we get into the next topic here, Of conversation, gotta remind you guys of our of our people at mybookie.ag. That is mybookie.ag. So, well, let's say this right here: you got the skills to pay the bills, you're feeling lucky, you're feeling fortunate, you feel like you can make some big time money in wagering on these Bama games next season. Wagering on the Bama games next season. Check out our guys at mybookie.ag. You make the right play and sign up today at mybookie.ag. And when you do decide. To make the right play and sign up, you use the promo code TD Alabama to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. You can't beat that with a stick. MyBookie.ag. check them out right now. MyBookie.ag. use the promo code TD Alabama. Check out our guys today. But we give it out. Next topic of the conversation right here, and it goes to the cornerback room. Alabama, Nick Saban has found its guy to replace Carl Scott at that position. And that being one, Jay Belay, Jay Belay, a native of Dallas, Texas. Well, he's from Eunice, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, but a native Texan. So uh, the one thing that you as Alabama football fans, you wanted was to replace Carl Scott. Could we get somebody from the Texas area to hold that state in recruiting, enter Jay Villay into the conversation. Now, he uh, he posted a tweet on his social media last week confirming the fact that he is coming to the Crimson Tide. He is coming to Alabama. He is taking over the cornerbacks position here at the program. And when this when this hire, when this idea was first brought up, or when this tweet was first made. Uh, To me, I was kind of like you. I was kind of like you guys. I'm thinking, what? Like, this guy doesn't have a whole bunch of experience. I don't know about this guy. I'm not sure. Like, this is not Jason Jones. Like, there were nine guys that I was given a list on, and of the nine guys, five of them had Alabama ties. In discussing Azar, Abdul Rahim, Derek Ansley, Deshay Towson, uh, Sam Petato and Jason Jones. Like, th- th- this name, Jay Valet, like it's not hitting the way I thought it would hit. But as I went back to actually do some more research, as I went back to actually dissect and go through some things and crunch some numbers, in my mind, I, I kind of hit on, okay. Even though I may not be feeling what Saban's doing, I can understand why he made the move, right? Because Saban is at a point here in his career where he looks at three different things. Saban is at a point right now in his coaching career, he's looking at three different things. Number one, he wants to hire a coach that can foster continuity within the program. By continuity, I'm referring to at least three years Three to five to six years, but at least three years, that, that continuity. And uh, as much as Jason Jones would have made a lot of sense, his recent stop was at, you know, Wisconsin, was at, you know, Indiana, and he's got a wealth of experience coaching corners. If you would have brought Jason Jones in and he would have had, you know, a big first year because of how big his name is on the coaching circuit – the poachers would have probably came in after his first year or after his second year and picked him on out of here and then Saban's back at the drawing board again. So rather than experience that, I think in Saban's mind, he's going through okay. As much as Jones has experience, if I can get a if I can get Valet in here, who his name not as big. There's not a lot of cachet to him. He doesn't have Just a ton of experience. He has some experience he has gotten his feet wet, but he doesn't have the big, broad experience. No, maybe we can bring him in here. We can coach him up. We can develop him. We can fine-tune him. She can help us build this continuity, and we can have somebody here for a good period of time. It's just like what happened with Carl Scott. Carl Scott went through all the small schools first before going to Texas Tech, before going to Alabama. The same thing with Pete Golding. Pete Golding started off at the small schools first before, of course, now he is at the Crimson Tide going into his fourth year. So number one, you know, Saban looks at trying to build continuity. Number two, Saban looks at you gotta be an exceptional recruiter. And Coach Villay, he's in his early to mid-30s. So he's young, he's fiery, he's enthusiastic, he's energetic, he can speak the language of these young men. He knows what these guys are, are talking about or conversating on. You know, he's coached at the NFL level where these young players are trying to get to. He's coached some at the collegiate level, so he, he's got that energy, he's got that zeal, he's got that passion, and you get that on the recruiting trail, that can do you know a lot of big things for you. And then the third thing Saban looks at is, can we bring in a coach that's got a footprint in the SEC? You're recruiting SEC caliber players, SEC caliber time, so can we bring in a coach that's got a footprint within the conference. And Coach Vallee, he does. 2016 and 2017, he was the defensive quality control coach for the Georgia Bulldogs on Kirby Smart Staff. 2017, he helped the defense that gave up just 16.4 points per game. It only allowed a 40-point contest or two of its opponents that season, Georgia that year, won the SEC, got to the college football playoff, won the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma, a thrilling Rose Bowl that being, and advanced to the national championship game despite a loss there to Alabama. Now, as we look at Millet's background here for a minute, like I said, he's from Dallas, Texas, Texas, Ulysses, Texas, a little suburb of Dallas. He played at the University of Wisconsin, played safety from 2007 to 2010, was a two-time second-team uh, All-Big Ten 2008 and 09. He gave the NFL a shot. I mean, he, he was accepted to a mini-camp with the Minnesota Vikings. Things, unfortunately, did not materialize for him. But for a six-year period... He took a break from football. He was not playing. He was not coaching. He instead operated his own sports performance training facility from 2011 to 2016, working with pro athletes in the NFL and NBA, along with high school students. So he did that for five to six years. And then college football came calling him, was the quality control coach at Georgia. 2016 and 17, spent a year with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2018 as an assistant DB coach and quality control guy. The Chiefs went 14 and 2 that year, got to the AFC Championship game where it lost to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. At that point in time, the Chiefs would ultimately win the Super Bowl the next season. But um, 2019, of course, Belay got back in the college ball coached a year at Rutgers as a cornerbacks coach. From in 2020, he went to Texas to coach corners for the Longhorns. He accepted the cornerbacks job on December 20th of this year at the University of Houston. He stayed there long enough to sip a cup of coffee. And then 12 days later, he gets called by the Philadelphia Eagles to be a coach there on February the 1st. So he goes to Philly, and here comes the power of Nick Saban. You know, Saban says, you know what? Let me pull a coach in here. So Saban makes the call to coach Filet. and he leaves the Eagles after a sip of water to come to Alabama. So he's kind of been on different staffs here in the last couple of years or so, but it's Alabama that gets the guy. It's Alabama that makes the move to pull him. So he, he's got some experience coaching college ball. He's got some experience coaching the NFL. I know at first, just for me, seeing this hire across my ticker, across my board, I'm like, what in the Sam Hill? What is this? But, you know, as I myself had to step back from the computer a little bit, draw into my research, draw into my thesis, I go, now I see why Coach Saban made the hire. He's a young guy. You're trying to foster continuity on the staff. You're trying to get a young recruiter in here. You're trying to get somebody that has that pool with the state of Texas, which he does. You you got somebody that has an imprint, a footprint on the SEC. And then most importantly, uh, you got somebody that has not only played the game, but he does have experience and he can relate to the Malachi Morris. So he can relate to the Josh Jobs, the Marcus Banks, the Kyrie Jacksons, the Ronald Williams Juniors and other defensive backs in particular cornerbacks on the roster here for the Crimson Tide. So even though, Bama fans, there were other names that were targeted here in this surge, including five with Alabama ties. Coach Saban, in his power of being the best in the game, he pulls another NFL assistant away from pro ball and brings his guy to Alabama. So now the Todd has Bill O'Brien. Doug Marone and Jay Valet. I mean, this is crazy. You pull three NFL coaches back into the college ball, two of them former head coaches, and one of them was a former head coach slash GM. So It just shows you the mind and the magnitude. Of Coach Saban. But we take another break here on the show. Don't touch that dial because when we get back, we go back into a conversation in the phone lines with you, the Bama fans, right after this.
1: Don't touch that dial. Call in right now as we're taking your calls up next on In My Own Words with Stephen M. Smith brought to you by We Owned a Fourth Quarter. Visit weownthefourthquarter.com now to get your four-finger bling necklace.
0: Hi, right, people, we are back in from the break of a number one forum for Bama football news in my own words. with Yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine in my own words here. And we get back to the phone lines here, folks. We take your calls, 205-448-1358. The number to call in. So let your voice be heard on the show, 205-448-1358. And one more time, 205-448-1358. Call segment brought to you by the Blue Wrench Gang. We grab a call right now. You're live on the show. What's going on?
4: Hey, I have two questions.
0: Go ahead. Why do you think the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl? Why do I think the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl? Good question. Um, Buccaneers got great pressure to Mahomes, and Tom Brady's just good, man. He he He's just great. Why do you think the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl? Another good question, because the defense played lights out and uh, – you got to give the coach, Bruce Arians, credit for not just having Tom Brady, but the guys with him. But Buccaneers is just a great team. We appreciate that call from that young fan calling in about the Super Bowl. I mean, the Chiefs are good, but the Bucket it was just their year. It was just Tampa's year. We take a call right now. You're live on the show. What's going on? What's going on, man? How you doing? Man, I am well and yourself.
4: Oh, man, I'm doing good, so – um, since Ben Davis is in the transfer portal, do you think he's going to go to the NFL, or do you think he'll stay in in the NCAA?
0: Well, with, with with Ben Davis in the transfer portal, I would I would like to think he would find a school, and uh, I think he'd like to find a school in college football that he can go to and make an impact. Now, I don't know which school Ben will transfer to, but I would like to think he would remain in college football and make an impact. Absolutely, and um, since he's in the transfer portal, which
4: team do you think he'll go
0: to? That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. It it, de- it depends on which team needs an outside linebacker or an, or an inside linebacker or just a linebacker. Period. Right now, it's it, 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 it's 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 going to come down to which team, uh, regardless of conference, regardless of region, needs a player of his caliber. But I wish the best for him. I wish the best to him, and hopefully he finds a spot. But appreciate that call right there, calling in and inquiring about one Ben Davis. We'll take another call right here. You're live on the show. What's going on? What's up, man? Uncle Charles is here. What's going on, man? How you doing, brother? Brother, I'm well, man. Doing even better now that you are in here. Well, let me tell you something. Alabama Nation, which is my
4: Alabama family, sorry I ain't been able to call y'all. I not been feeling too good the last couple of weeks, but, you know, I'm taking my medicine. I'm doing a little bit better, and, I, you know, I want to come on the show when I felt a little bit better, but I have been listening to the show, and I just want to tell you, I love you. I love you. I love my Alabama family, and I'm going to make my comment because I know you got a game. Let, let, let me just say this. So we lose one or two players. We don't do but game, two or three players. I mean, Nick Taylor has recruited everybody but Buzz, Bunny, and Daffy Duck. And we ain't going to find them right now. Well, we have to press, Alabama family. I think we really have to press uh, Give somebody to make a movie about Nick Saban's life. I mean, he has wrote many books. He has took a picture and still on the, on the book of Ford magazine. But well, we need a movie to tell the world about this man, about this coach, about this grandfather, about this father, about this, this, this uh, entrepreneur and how life should, should be. Now, I compare my my dad to co-saving. My dad was a disciplinarian. And you know, when you're children, you do things. Uh, My brother served this country for 25 years in the Navy. And my brother was a stunt. He was a stunt person when he was little. And I told my brother, he he said, I'm going to ride down here on my BMX bike with no clothes on. I said, brother, don't do that. And by the time he got halfway down the hill, my dad was waiting on him with that strap. Well, it's too late now. You can't slow down. He got the strap, you on the bike, you ain't got no clothes on. Do like modern game, let's get it on. And he got a tan up in that day. And then he, well, he should have got a tan up. So I'm going to tell the council, uh, tell the Alabama uh, family listen, we lost the guy, we're going to gain another guy. And the only thing we're waiting on now is Bugs Bunny and Dappy Duck. But we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And a word to my Hurricane. You should have never put us on the schedule. You're going to pay the price. You didn't remember that ambassador we did to you in Sugar Bowl, but now you come back for some more. Well, we're waiting on you, and we're waiting, and we're smiling. And that's all I got to
0: say, and I love you both. Appreciate that call, if Uncle Charles, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. You know what? We we, we gotta get this movie going. We gotta get this movie going with Nick Saban, and I think we're gonna have our own John Ivory direct the movie. We gonna have have John Ivory direct the movie of Nick Saban. Appreciate that call, if Uncle Charles. We take our next call here on a Monday. You're live on the show. What's going on? Hey, this is Willie
5: from Texas. How you doing? Doing good, Willie. How you feeling? I'm feeling great today. It's it's, it's a snowstorm out here in uh, Texas, so uh, I'm stuck in the crib right now just watching your show.
0: Can't beat that, man. You can't beat
5: it. Yeah, not at all. But first thing I'm going to say is I don't know what y'all have been talking about on this show, but Jalen Milrow will be the starting quarterback for the team this year.
0: Jalen Milrow is a a big time. I I had his coach on the show, Todd McVay, that coaches at Tompkins High School in Katy, Texas like and I've seen a ton of film on Milro I can see why so many people are saying do not count this brother out cuz he can play, he can ball.
5: Definitely, definitely. I
0: have a I have a question for you.
5: What why do you think that Paul Tyson would be over Jalen Millro on the depth chart?
0: Well, I think Paul Tyson will be over there checking the middle row. Well, first and foremost, first and foremost, so Paul, Ty- Paul Tyson comes in here now going into his third season. So he's got the entire playbook, he's got the entire scheme, he's got the entire system down. The guy has not just the size, but he's got the ability. He's got a ton of ability, not just throwing the ball, but he is he's, he's a lot more mobile than what people give him credit for. People feel like Paul is just a stick, but Paul is athletic. Paul can move. He can move around. He can extend the play. He can move his feet. He can manipulate and disguise and disrupt the defense a little bit. So Paul's got a lot to his game that not many people talk about just due to we get caught up in – well, he's Paul Bear Bryant's great grandson. That's it. But there's a lot more to Tyson than that.
5: Yeah, I got you. I got you. But he also was in the room. He was in the quarterback room last year. And didn't yeah, touch the yeah, floor, yeah, he was. T- didn't touch the field once.
0: Didn't well, touch the field
5: wanted- once. So I, I think I think we kind of already know who's going to win that battle between him and him and Bryce.
0: Well, even though, well, even though that he never, he, you know, he didn't touch the field. He had had a moment to touch it. I know against Arkansas he would have played if Jace McClellan did not score on the rushing touchdown. Unfortunately, that happened. But at the same time, Paul Paul knows the entire system. I feel like Bryce was out there because they were trying to get some confidence for Bryce. They were trying to get confidence for Bryce. They were trying to work Bryce in the system. They were trying to see could Bryce get his feet wet because – Bryce was the one that didn't get the spring, that didn't get a lot of those opportunities. So that's what they were trying to do last year was to get Bryce's confidence going.
5: Okay, okay. I, I, feel, I feel that. I can see how that will make, make a little bit of sense. But um, I'm just Yeah, last thing I'm going to say is don't sleep. Remember this call.
0: Jalen Melrose will start. <laughs> will start for the Crimson Tide this year. Got a bold hot take right now. Jalen Melrose will start for the Crimson Tide. Got a out of Colorado, Texas. He's good. The kid's a baller. We had his high school coach on this show. We appreciate that call. But we had his high school coach on this show. And, high, and talk, Coach McBay talked highly of um, Jalen Milrow. I've watched tape on the kid myself. He can play. He can flat out play. And, and we've seen this before. Jalen Hurts. Freshman from Texas, 2016, he comes in, pushes everybody out the door, took his time, saying that his time was right then and right there. So, I'm not saying Milro could not do it. It's going to be really interesting, though. This is one of the reasons why, Jesus, please let us have spring football. Because we got to see this. We take another call right now. You're live on the show. What's going on? Hey, Stephen, how you
6: doing? This is Tim calling again from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How's it going?
0: Going well, but we got Baton Rouge in the house. What's happening with you, man?
6: Not too much, man. Just, you know, staying inside a lot of ice. But uh, I wanted to bring up, and maybe you can help me, there's a guy in the transfer port in in, the Bama family. I know you know Henry Toa Toa. Can you tell me if you got any new news on him and explain to me exactly how does that work does he have to sit out coming out of the transfer portal or does he get an exemption with this COVID um, year? Uh, I tell you what, this guy will help us tremendously. He can blow up an offense. He's the real he, deal.
0: He would be, Toa Toa would be really huge for Alabama to get in here. So as of right now, like, like you mentioned, he is in the transfer portal. Nick Saban is waiting on the month of is, is waiting on the month of April to get in here because in the month of April the NCAA will vote on the one-time transfer rule. Should the rule pass and people vote favor favorably on it, toe a will be able to transfer, but it also has to go through the SEC where Commissioner Greg Sankey they have their own rules. And one of the rules is you can't transfer within the conference and immediately play without having you know, your degree, you would have to sit out a year. Now, I don't know if Toa Toa has his degree. He probably does. He probably does not. I'm not sure about that. So the, what is going to have to do is work with Commissioner Sankey of the SEC to get Henry cleared. If you can get Henry cleared, it's a big deal because, like you mentioned, he's a big-time, highly productive inside linebacker. Through two years at Tennessee – 148 tackles, 15 tackles for loss. He blows plays up. He has a high football IQ, tremendous lateral quickness, and he wants to play one year and go to the NFL. So if you can get Toa Toa, it's a big move. But, my man, we appreciate that call right there. I I would love for Bama to get Toa Toa. I would love for that to happen. I know some people are saying, "We'll give Shane Lee a chance. We'll give Jalen Moody. We'll give Kyle. These guys have been loyal. They've signed on. And they have been loyal. And they have signed. But my thing is, when you get a guy like Henry Toa Toa come up that's already got big-time experience in the SEC, you can't pass on that. You've got to at least consider and put your line out there and hopefully— You can cash in on that. But as you guys continue to get your calls in here on the show, 205-448-1358, but I'm going to call in to be a part of the show. I'm going to go to a topic right here. And the topic is, what is Will Anderson's ceiling for next season? This dude, as a freshman, what he did in the 2020 campaign, seven sacks, Ten-and-a-half tackles for longs. To me, him being a freshman All-SEC and a freshman All-American selection, his floor is Tim Williams, and that's a pretty darn good floor. His floor is Tim Williams, but what is Will Anderson's ceiling? That's the question, and it's scary because I've had conversations with a few friends of mine. Some people have thrown out Chase Young the former Ohio State standout, who's now with the Washington football team in the NFL, some people say, "Well, I compare him to Cornelius Bennett, former Alabama legend here at linebacker, who had a great pro career as well as a great college career." And then, I mean, there's there's comparisons, there's comparisons abundant here for Anderson, and I know Brian Branch. His teammate who came in with him in the 2020 cycle, he mentioned how before Anderson leaves the Tide, he will be an All-American linebacker and one of the greatest to ever play or one of the best to ever play at the position. But in your opinion, Bama fans, what is Anderson's ceiling? How good can he be? How great can he be? Because if he would have secured a lot of the sack opportunities he had Early on in the season, who knows the number of sacks and tackles for loss he could have had. So, what is Will ceiling in your minds, fans? You know what? We're going to take a break right now. When we get back, we return to the phone lines because I want to know your thoughts, fans. What is Will Anderson ceiling? We'll talk to you, the fans, right after this.
1: Thank you for tuning in. Show your support right now by clicking that like button. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button now and enable all notifications to make sure you don't ever miss any of the best Alabama football news, notes, and information right here on Touchdown Alabama.
0: We are back into the show from the break. And before we get to the phone lines, Jimmy Clayton walked up in here and dropped the stack on us. $40, For the Douglas being a super chest from Jimmy, the best donator in the game, Clay. Appreciate that coming from Jimmy Clay here, helping us out on the show. But as we're back in here from the break, the question was what is Will Anderson's ceiling? To me, his floor is Tim Williams. But what could be the young man's ceiling? And we take some calls right now, 205-448-1358. That is the number to let your voice be heard, 205-448-1358. We grab a call right now. You're live on the show. What's going on?
7: Hey, Stevie. How you doing, buddy? Love the show, man. Loving
0: it. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. How, How you feeling? I'm doing all
7: right, man. We got a big snowstorm going here. I'm in Ohio, and uh Big snowstorm, so what better way to talk a little football during a snowstorm? What do you think, Stevie?
0: Nothing none like it, man. N- nothing like talking some football in, you know, negative degree weather sometimes.
7: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I mean? you know what, though? That's something we say all the time here in Ohio, because, of course, being in Ohio, we're Buckeye fans.
3: We've always loved
7: to see the SEC come here, like, in November to play.
0: True, true. But, uh... what What's on your mind right now?
7: Nothing. I just want to talk about, uh, you know what? I honestly, I think we're uh, this year in college football. I think we saw the start of a rivalry. That's about ready to start between Ohio state and Alabama. I think that this is the start of a rivalry because every year we're one and two in recruiting and, uh, I think this year, you know, with the COVID year, Alabama beat us, you know, plain and simple in that national title game. I think Devontae Smith, you know I mean, was a big difference in that game. But the one thing I will say is but I truly think this is the start of a rivalry because who would you pick in next year's national title game?
0: I mean, that's, that's a good thought to have. And not just a good rivalry between Alabama and Ohio State, but also you look at – but, but but also but, but also you look at you know the rivalry between Nick Saban and Ryan Day, you got two yeah. you, you got two really good coaches Nick Saban the, the defensive disciplinarian Ryan Day the elite uh, offensive mind the question will be who replaces Justin Fields as he goes off to the NFL draft but knowing Ryan Day and how much he has really took that program and elevated it and. Of course, Urban Meyer sees how Ryan Day has elevated it. It's going to be fun to watch.
7: That's going to be the big question is uh, who's going to be the quarterback because you got C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and then, of course, this freshman coming in, Kyle McCord. But no freshman's ever started day one at Ohio State. That's just a fact. You started opening day, no freshman's ever done except for Art Leapster back in 1978. But uh, especially with our receivers, Olave and Wilson coming back and our tight end, Jeremy Rucker, and, of course, Alabama, you know, they don't uh, rebuild, they reload, and they've got their fresh crop. But I think this is going to be the start of something here, two blue bloods. But uh, I'll get off here, and I'll let uh, other calls come in. I just want to say, man, love the show, and uh, always remember, Go Bucks, baby!
0: We got, we got Buckeye Nation calling in, but, but 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 good Buckeye Nation calling in. Appreciate that call right there coming into the show. We take our next call. You're live on the show. What's going on tonight?
3: Steven M. How you doing tonight, sir?
0: I got the man of the year, Spencer Redley. Man, I, I feel great.
3: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I got uh, one quick comment about uh, Tua Tua, or Tua Tua, excuse me, and then uh, I got a question for you. I'm finishing up my film study on the quarterbacks coming up this week, so I'll be calling in Friday to do a breakdown on my feelings on the quarterbacks. But uh, on Toa Toa, he is – he would be – people are looking at this the wrong way. They're looking at him coming in, being a full-time starter, going all-out balling. He's going to ball. But he's going to be a person that's depth, that we can change people in and out, keep them fresh. If somebody gets hurt, he, we won't miss a step. That's what they need to look at. Now, my question for you is, on the quarterback thing, cause this is beating me up, and I'm studying the daylights out of it, is if Bryce Young does not get the nod as a starting quarterback, Do you think he will transfer?
0: That's the question, Spencer, that's on everybody's mind. And uh, I feel like you have to consider it just due to, you know, once again, coming in as highly touted as he is and with all the bells and whistles and the notoriety, which he deserved it, coming behind his name, if he does not win the starting quarterback job and, and now with Steve Sarkeesian also out of the picture, he's at Texas, you would have to consider his mind would be thinking, where can I go where I can have a home? So he probably would not transfer, but I would put it in, in the mind of he would have to think about it.
3: All right. The next question then, since, you think that he's got the integrity to stay? What do you feel? What What do you feel would be the breaking point for him to leave University of Alabama?
0: Let's see here. That's a good, that's a good thought right there. What what would I feel would be the breaking point for Bryce to leave? I I I, I honestly feel like I honestly feel like the breaking point would be. I think the breaking point, honestly, would be if he does not start this year. I think if he, if he does not start this upcoming season, or at least if he's not the number two guy by this upcoming season, that's the breaking point because a lot of people are very excited about Jalen Milrow as well. Depending on how fast does Jalen Milrow pick things up, develop things, quickly grasp things, that plays a role in here also. So if Bryce is not the starter, or at the very least, if he's not number two, that could be the breaking point right there. But we appreciate the call, Spencer.
3: All right, thank you, sir. And I'll be calling you a second segment on uh, Friday night and uh, give you my breakdown of what I feel the quarterback is going to be. Thank you, Absolutely. sir, and have a great evening.
0: Absolutely, Spencer. Appreciate that call right there, talking quarterbacks here. Our own Spencer Refley, a great call right there. We take our next break here on the show. Upon our return, we'll get into a little conversation. Who has the most pressure on them at running back for the Crimson Tide? We'll talk about that particular back after this.
1: Thank you for tuning in. Show your support right now by clicking that like button. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button now and enable all notifications to make sure you don't ever miss any of the best Alabama football news, notes, and information right here on Touchdown Alabama.
0: All right, folks, we're back in from the break here on the number one form for Crimson Tide. Football news in my own words with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown. Alabama Magazine. And before we get into the final topic here of the show, gotta remind you of tdaware.com. That is tdaware.com. Now, I know what you're thinking. Stephen. why are you reminding me of this? Check this out here. So, for you, the Alabama fans, for all of you fans still overjoyed with the Tides National Championship, check out our championship collection merch. Grab you an 18 of them things, folks. T-shirt, hoodie, or sweatshirt, as well as our Got 18 We Do shirts, designs which feature all 18 championship years on the back. Head over to tdaware.com. Do that right now, tdaware.com, and go to the championship collections tab and get your championship merch. Get those T-shirts today showing that support for Coach Saban, the University of Alabama, the student athletes, and us here at Touchdown Alabama Magazine. But now as we mosey on into the final topic here, it's back at the running back position and uh, the, the the back with the most pressure on it for the upcoming season. Which running back carries the most weight? Which running back carries the most pressure on its shoulders? And uh, the guy I feel like is Trey Sanders. I think Trey carries the most pressure on him coming up this season. And the first reason why is he's been through quite a couple of setbacks, right? Trey Sanders came in, the 2019 class, five star from Florida, went to IMG Academy. When he arrived, and he proclaimed that he was going to win the Heisman Trophy. When he said that before his freshman year started, of course, US fans and I myself, we were like, okay, we gotta see him, he's gotta produce. He's got to put on. Like, he's got to snap. He has said that he's going to win the Heisman? We got to see this. And he said he's going to win it in year one? Now we really got to see this. And Trey was putting on a show. Like, Trey was cutting up in fall camp. There was so many reports and uh, reviews and information going around that Trey's dominating. Trey's moving. Trey's cutting. Trey's got speed. He's got power. He's got burst. He's got ability and catch the ball of the backfield. There was so much positive on Trey in the 2019 fall camp session, but unfortunately, he broke his foot and had to miss the whole year. So that kind of put a stop into all the hype that he was getting, that he was generating. But, you know, injuries happen. No situations, no, they take place. So folks were like, well, Trey is going to bounce back. He's going to recover. He's going to come back strong, and he recovered, He comes back for this season, for this past season, his second year in the system. And though it took him a minute to kind of get going, in the matchup against Mississippi State, Brian Robinson was dinged up, was banged up, didn't see a lot of action. So Trey Sanders Sanders got his chance. Against the Bulldogs, we finally start to see this is the trade that Sanders was talking about as a freshman. He got out there. He had 12 carries for 80 yards. He was ripping off 25-yard runs and 23-yard runs and 22-yard runs. And we saw the finish off the runs. We saw the burst. We saw the speed. We saw the the, the skill set. We saw the trace. And we were like, ooh, that's what he was talking about. Ooh, okay, I like this. Ooh, Trey may do some. Ooh, like we, we started to get real excited about that and he was running behind the first-team offensive line. We were starting to get really excited about what Trey Sanders could bring to the table. But, unfortunately, the second setback comes in. He goes home to Florida to, to for, you know, fall break, getting close to Thanksgiving time, and he gets involved in a car accident, and the car accident left him with some injuries, including a hip situation that he had to have surgery on, so he would miss the remainder up of last season so once again he's building all of this hype he's building all of this excitement he's wetting our expectations and he wants to so bad get on the field and do something but the setbacks take place so now he's been in rehab he's been working back from the surgeries and recovering from that whole aspect and um, according to Dr. Matt Ray Alabama's Director of Performance Science, he posted a photo of Trey to Twitter of him working with uh, Coach Jeremy Giselle, the Director of the Alabama Rehabilitation Center there, and Coach Giselle, Dr. Ray, Coach Ballou. They're working with Sanders on his running ability, on him being able to do those run-resistant, those little resistant leg drills, getting him back in the indoor complex to help with his rehab, so... He wants to bounce back strong. He wants to return strong. But the second part of that pressure behind the setbacks is all of the running backs that Trey has to fend off. Think about this. You got to fend off Keenan Robinson, who's back and who's bulked up his body. He now looks like an SEC running back. You got to fend off Jace McClellan, of whom everybody wants to see more of after the speed, acceleration, the burst that Jays had a season ago. People want to see more of him. He's got to fend off Roy Dell Williams, of whom people want to see more of what he can do. It's kind of that pinball type of back. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got vision to his game. And then when you look at, you just signed a Kamar Wheaton, a, Wheaton, a five-star. People want to see what he can do along with Kyle Edwards also. So you got to fend off all of these backs. Trey Sanders has to fend off all of these backs, and it's in the back of his mind, you know, King is a beast. Uh, Jace McClellan is a beast. Uh, Roy Dale is a beast. I was a five-star in 2019, but now they've signed another five-star, in Wheaton over here, I, I gotta get mine. I gotta get mine. I gotta dominate. So, all of this is bombarding Trey's mind, because he also knows I'm entering my third year. Whether you are a junior, redshirt sophomore, trade knows I'm entering my third year in the program. So now the NFL scouts are looking at me. Now the NFL talent evaluators, they're looking at me. Now, you know, Todd McShay, Mel Kiper Jr., all of these draft pundits, they're going to be starting to look at me. So now i got to put together big numbers, or at least numbers conducive enough or solid enough to where – I can create for me a really good draft stock. So this is all sort of going through Trey's mind. And and probably the best he's going to have to do this season, if he can have a year where he can put up, you know, six to 800 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns, maybe three to 400 yards received, if he can get that and a couple of scores, that may be the barometer he needs to hit. But he's got a lot of pressure on him he's coming back from a second setback he has all of these running backs he's got to fend off can trey sanders finally be stay healthy and fully materialize? materialized as a five-star that can get the job done and set himself up for the nfl that remains to be seen want to see him do well in uh, the coming fall. But, as always, Tide Nation, you want the best in news, notes and material here on your favorite program, the Alabama Crimson Tide. You can get this by accessing the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. You download the app from the iPhone App Store. If you're rocking Team Apple, Google Play Store if you've got the Android phone. For your audio listening needs here, we got you covered. iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, Overcast.fm or iHeartRadio. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit, I'll be back on Wednesday. Continuing the conversation that is tied football. As always, Bama fans, you can purchase individual copies of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Have those sent to your door. That link will be found in the description. If you want to get the the print edition of TDA, the print copy of the magazine, you go to touchdownalabama.com. You click join, become a member, become a subscriber today so you can get... The print copy of TDA, the magazine. That link is in the description, also. You can also check out our guys that we own, the fourthcorner.com. Copy one of those four finger bling necklaces. That link in the description as well. As I'm looking at the bar here for our daily super chat goals, it looks like we've hit it. Did we hit it, John? We have hit the daily super chat goal of $75. You fans done it again. Appreciate you guys for the love. The support that you guys are showing us, donating the TD Alabama. But, for all, but as always, folks, husbands love your wives. Wives, appreciate value. Those husbands, children, continue doing the right thing, the legitimate thing, to not be bored. Get you those three hearty meals a day, those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself. Protect the loved ones around you. Y'all be safe out here. Until next time, folks, spit in my own words. back.